Welcome to the Everyday Journey podcast. I'm your host, Vasily Mazin, coming at you from Brooklyn, New York. On this program, I interview people who are outstanding in their field of activity, casting a spotlight on one character at a time. My guest today is Leo Lugansky, a musician involved in multiple projects, such as an alternative metal band for Moda, that's F-O-I-R-M-O-D-A, and a Depeche Mode tribute band, Strange Love. He made a career out of his passion for music, and today we're going to talk about his journey in the world of music. Uh, welcome to the program, welcome to Everyday Journey, Leo. Hey, thanks for having me. I think it's the first episode I am talking to another fellow Russian in English, uh, but this is, uh, we're going to have an international appeal. Thankfully, we both uh, can use it freely. Well, we'll find out. Uh, so, where are you from in Russia? I'm from Volgograd. Volgograd. It used to be called Stalingrad. It's kind of like a hero city, in a way. Hero city means, for those who don't know... Yeah. Uh, it means is, World War II, yeah. battleground, yep. historic. So everybody knows, everybody heard the name uh, Joseph Stalin. Before you were born, right? It was called, when you were born, it was called Stalingrad? No, it wasn't. Volgograd. Uh, so how did you get into music? Well, I got into music... Uh, when I was a kid, but I can't say that I was just kind of like a no-brainer, you know, type of a talent, you know, like I was just kind of like more like inclined, you know, towards like drums and possibly a synthesizer, but it wasn't kind of like a dead-on type of like, oh yeah, he's going to be one of those guys. It was just kind of like a slow drip, just, you know, transitioning from one thing to the other one like so when I was a kid like I wanted to be a drummer but like it was like a big trouble because you can't have a drum kit you know like in your home because it's like super loud and like electronic drums weren't an option back in the day just quite yet so and then that passion burned into my love towards synthesizers you know like obviously like I'm a huge fan of Depeche Mode and Moby and Massive Attack, and, like, ATB, even, you know, and... ATB, it was like a yeah, Euro, Euro dance. Yeah, mm. it's a... And da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, but he is a lot deeper than that. He has tracks that are, like, really, like, amazing, you know, songs, you know, just, like, let you go, and it kind of, like, really, like, evolved into something else. Mm-hmm. You know, so a wide range of music, but generally I'm picking up that you like the sort of the emotional uh, charge aspect of of, uh, whatever musical style absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah lyrics are everything you know it's just like my Mm -hmm. musical taste just like goes from you know different styles it's all about the songs like recently I covered you know Lifehouse and they have a song called Six Cycle Carousel it's the band that I don't listen to but their one song is just basically one of my favorite songs ever you know, it's it's just kind of that type of like a counterintuitive phenomena. So with all those musical tastes, I realized my love to a synthesizer comes from the idea that you can emulate all the instruments and have them all in one place. So and did, as, you, did you own a synthesizer as, yeah. as a teenager? Or? Yeah, when I was I think 15 years old, my dad helped me out to get my first synthesizer, which was Cork Triton, the mm-hmm. same as infamous Linkin Park had, you know, and there were certain sounds that you can even, like, recognize that they actually used, and it was just, you know, kind of like a workstation, and it 
scratch the itch, if you may, you know, mm-hmm. at a time to be able to. But you know, as a human being, you know, your desires are constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. You know, as you mitigate one thirst, you kind of like, oh, you know, and and then I've started, you know, experimenting with the sounds and joining local bands, you know, if you may. And it all started out with a couple of guys from my from my school. Uh, What's the was, population of of your hometown? Uh, one million. Okay, so plenty of people to to, to meet uh, in the scene. Yeah, and there were still at times when you could get in trouble by, let's say, quote unquote, advertising Western culture. You know, because besides electronic music and alternative rock, alternative metal, we were also rap and hip-hop fans. And so I've joined a couple of guys to experiment with some beats and like whatever I was able to do with them to combine that. But there was one condition. So I never saw myself as a frontman or a person that is like necessarily has to draw an attention you know, to the audience, you know, like I wanted to be kind of like a mysterious introverted guy, kind of like Moby, just kind of like behind the desk, you know, doing my own thing. Uh-huh. I think now is the time to point out that you actually ended up being a front man yeah. in most of your projects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but like it all started from one condition from them that I also have to learn how to rap, rap and preferably sing. You know, mm-hmm. but it, you know, because we were still teenagers and kids, you know, it was a very vague idea of how to do it. And I, and I was very shy and it was just like, almost like a huge cognitive dissonance in my head. I was like, oh my God, you know, that. And so, but, you know, it was a train wreck, of course, like in the beginning and it was, but, but then, you know, something happened, you know, you're a teenager, you're very emotional, you're hormonal, you have your first experience, you know, with you know, relationships and stuff, and that opened up that thing where, you know, kind of started writing lyrics and... A new, a new source of inspiration. Yeah, it started mm-hmm. to become more natural. It, it it was still really bad, but it was, you know, you know something you could tell us, like, yeah, it, it, like, it can evolve into something. And then we finally, like, we wrote a couple of songs that were, you know, we were kind of huge fans of, you know... Linkin Park and we were like yeah like we want to be that but it's impossible but we're gonna try to have some singing and some rapping and some you know like heavy heavy electronics in there so we started like experimenting and had a couple of songs in there and even without like internet we were able to pull off to have our first you know kind of like a festival where all the break dancers rappers local guys were so we kind of packed the club and people knew what, like what we do. People knew a couple of our songs, and it was just like we were just teenagers, no namers, you know, nothing like that. It was just all driven by friendship and passion. And uh, so that was the breaking point where I walked into a club and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I am not an accountant or a lawyer. This the, is the, like the career choice uh, is clear." <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm kind of like you know, like it's just this you know feeling you know like in your heart we're just kind of like you know it's like a combination of joy fear and anxiety you know it's 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 yeah so it's kind of like when you but like obviously it's not as simple 
as that. You know, you never, like, as a true artist, I think you're actually never really sure if what you're doing is the right thing to do. You're always waking up, doubting things, you know, because you always wanted to grow and evolve. You know, it's, it's always like, oh my God, you did something and you are immediately onto the next thing. You know, and uh, and it was the beginning of that. You know, even back then, when you couldn't really call yourself an artist or a musician. So we had this festival, we had a couple of shows, we started like recording in a professional studio, and it was still it's like okay, what's next? You know, how can mm -hmm. we you know evolve? And then uh, I had to move to a different country, which is. American New York City, one of my relatives were already living here and that was the idea, you know, to have like a family reunion, you know, so I had a back to fall to, you know, in here, but still, you know, being 17 years old and just, I, I just literally like graduated school and I had to leave all my life behind, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, all of your, uh, bandmates, yeah. you know, access to studio, pretty much you only had you in, in your sort of talents, memories, experiences in your head. Okay, so you... Pretty much, yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a lot of things that happened to me, but they were very major, you know, because I believe you are very impressionable by default when you're 14 years old. It's like a breaking point where music that you're listening to can influence and literally change the course of your whole life. Mm -hmm. And it did, mm -hmm. you know... Like, lots of stuff that I've heard from video games, like Need for Speed. Some of those people became my friends. And I even recorded some songs with them. And that changed oh, my life. The yeah. bands who recorded soundtrack for the world-famous game Need for Speed, you actually met people who... Yeah, some of them. ...prepared music yeah. for that. Mm -hmm. Like, cool. you know... You know, like, guys from, like, Static X, you know. And th there's also a guy, they landed a soundtrack for King of Scorpion. It's, like, one of those, like, a mummy, you know, like movies you know back in the day mm. with with rock you know in it mm -hmm. so there's a band called lifer and nicole is a lead singer so and i was always just kind of like curious about you know who these people are and i found him on facebook and offered him to record a song together uh and um basically lifer had the same band members as breaking benjamin like ended up having so it's uh, all kind of like small, big, whatever community of musicians and, and people that, you know, kind of like circling around. These names are fairly well known in, in the circles of uh, what, like, uh, yeah. alternative rock. Yeah, of people that, yeah, it's, it's just kind of like, you know, uh, you are a byproduct of the era that you've been growing up with, you know, and this style of music was kind of like heavily stigmatized like new metal alternative metal anything that kind of like sounds like corn slipknot lincoln park you know lifer kind of had a little bit of like a negative stigma but nevertheless you know um it made a huge influence of what you wanted to do because everything from songwriting and, and production and the emotion that comes with it because when i was a kid I wasn't into rock music at all, you know, I wasn't into Metallica or anything classic, I mm -hmm. did not like, you know, like Nirvana or none of this, but when those bands presented it like in a new way, 
and the way they presented it, I really liked, and it influenced what I do, you know, today because it's it's also like like a lots of them and like like including Lifer had the combination of kind of like. Uh, 80s music like you know it, it, it can sound like The Cure and Depeche Mode and metal at the same time because they mm-hmm. have like a very obvious melodies in there and I was like wow it's just it's just like immediately like I remember that feeling I was like yeah it's it's that you just you just have that feeling and then you know like I, it, it was like a driven force behind it and it literally changed the courses of our lives you know because then I became friends with the with uh, with Cold, you know, it's a post grunge alternative metal band. You know, that is also uh, very well known and critically acclaimed. And because I was talking to Scooter, you know, which is a singer of that band, you know, like on the phone, like I mentioned that I, you know, like, like that I recorded a song with Nick, and he was like, "Oh yeah," he was like, "Nick, how is he doing?" And so he basically ended up joining Cold, and now they are, you know, touring the world again altogether and so like what I'm saying that is really a driven force behind everything you know like you are a byproduct of what you were you know listening to and it can like literally influence like your choices in life and affect other people's lives in a obviously a positive way <laughs> hopefully can, can, can you explain <laughs> a little bit about the negative stigma you said that that corn and uh, Linkin Park Yes, you, you, some bands you mentioned had a negative stigma. Why? Yeah. Um, because back in the day, it just like everything that Western culture goes through, you know, some of the stuff is being maybe kind of like forced onto their like listeners, so it would be kind of like overly advertised, you know, and then it kind of like dies out, and in people's eyes, it doesn't have enough of like uh, of like an authentic effect. You know, because they were all kind of like sounding, sounding alike into their eyes. You know, there, there, there is, you know, it's, it's just happened to be this way because like a lot of times, you know, in the music industry, they bringing something up just to water it down at the end, you know, because it's no, like it no longer scratches that itch, you know, because it's just like goes into phases and... Is it about establishing certain styles that sound, sound sort of predictably established and then when you question it, when you change it, when you push the boundaries, people have kind of a negative uh, attitude towards this because... Exactly. Mixing, say, hip-hop and, and metal was like a taboo at some point and then Linkin Park in a way was not the only band who did this, but they kind of, of gave, gave the right... Um, on the massive scale yeah. to, to people to accept it and like it and, and be like oh it's fine we, we can scratch and we can have grunge guitars at the same time exactly um, like rock and hip hop has been collaborating for years you know it yeah. started with all the Beastie Boys for example yeah it, it started with like a um, you know Walk This Way uh, Run mm-hmm. DMC mm-hmm. and Aerosmith I, I, I right. believe you I know so, so. Mm-hmm. there were kind of like a prerequisites you but know kind of marginal like a it's sort of an experiment type of thing, you know, that people liked, but it did not become a style. But now it's, in a way, it's, yeah. it's a thing. Mm. Yeah, the problem is that they try to, you know, certain uh, magazine critics, you know, they try to throw in bands that in reality have nothing to do with each other. You know, they come from completely different things because there's a difference between new metal, industrial metal, and alternative metal. You know, like, people from industrial metal, they, they come from 
synth pop and new wave. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like they are influenced by The Cure, by Duran Duran, Depeche Mode, and with some heavy music. And you know, the new metal bands are you know influenced by you know hip hop and rap, and you know, a Metallica, and you know. Give me memory and um, some other like Iron Maiden, yeah, Maiden. yeah, exactly. And, and so they come from, but you know, when all of this becomes kind of like like commercial and critically acclaimed products, you know, they get heavily stigmatized as a music of early 2000s, and it's very easy to for people that think that they outgrew that, you know, it's just like they completely like, like, like disregarding the efforts of bands that were doing something like that. It's just like maybe mm-hmm. they didn't even never had an intention of doing so. But you in know, a way, they were caused just, the revolution. In, yeah, in, in, you know, because they were so. just, yeah, they were just simply doing that at those times, but they come from completely different backgrounds, completely different, you know, like yeah. ideas. I think a good example of, of a band that, that was loved but took a lot of beating is Limbiskit. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, you know, I met the guys and I'm actually, um, like, collaborating on songs with uh, currently you know, yeah mm-hmm. with you know a couple of you know members from that bands and uh yeah it's it's just uh yeah they they took a beating and uh, yeah they have their own like unique um signature but in, in a way they they remain one of, some of the most memorable ones and because they had the sense of humor in their music um it's kind of it's hard to criticize them heavily you know like some some, some bands position themselves very seriously. I mean, like Korn is a serious band. It seems like, right? Uh, you know, their message is heavy, or like Sepultura or something like that. It's, yeah. It's, but Limbiskit was like uh, something you could play at a bar. You know, something you could enjoy by yourself, working out, or you know, just uh, watch on TV. Uh, their music videos were engaging. Anyway, uh, they kind of. I feel like uh, Linkin Park and Limbiskit sort of gave way to future generations of uh, more sort of adventurous uh, experimenters like people who would uh, not hesitate to combine and, and mix genres because today it's, it's more and more di- it's increasingly more difficult to classify like even uh, like let's talk about your um, your band yeah. for uh, is it f- easy for you to put uh, musical style labels on, on it or is it uh, something that it's constantly evolving. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually very, very difficult, you know, because our influences are from 80s new wave synth pop to, like, progressive death metal, like Mishuga, you know, because we have a little bit of technical element to it, but it's not technical enough for the audience that into progressive metal to be kind of like, be with them they're gonna frown they're gonna be like oh they're like too commercial sounding you know and at the same time you can't call us you know that we are one of the early 2000s new metal you know because it's just different Because we have, like, huge electronica, industrial, you know, new wave and synth-pop element to it. How and many members? It just, it's four of us, you know, when we're playing live. But it's two of us, me and Vinny B, wrote everything in a span of ten years, you know. It...
it took four years to actually develop the style and to like really um, understand which way we wanted to go because we started out as more of like, kind of like like industrial rock electronic type of a project you know with the other band members we were rather more like maybe like Nine Inch Nails you know it, it and and then you know because I'm also a huge fan of Breaking Benjamin and you know bands like Korn and more progressive sounding bands like Cybrid Catatonia from like North Europe that are less known but they kind of like influenced us a lot because they're kind of like they're darker and more technical but at the same time they have this different vibe you know because you can't like classify it as anything you know so they are heavy because of the meaning behind the songs rather so with Vinny uh, and other band members how often do you have disagreements about the direction uh, of a song or like, is it is it a matter of finding people who are very easy to work with or is it a constant uh, or it's a myth like it's impossible to find um, sort of completely like-minded people so you always have to compromise like how, how does collaboration work in a multi-person band yeah. it's a great question mm-hmm. um, it was actually easier to transition to the more heavier sounding band because Vinny is coming from heavier background you know he was always a huge Pantera and Metallica fan and he also introduced me to bands like Lamb of God you know and you know like I was never really into that type of a stuff with just like a lot of like rolling and screaming and just like riffs and it just kind of like goes in but I was like oh I, I would I, and I, but I it clicked with me I was like I would like to integrate that dynamic element to it it's not it's just it's an interesting thing that you know sometimes like sometimes what you're listening to is not necessarily what you want to do in your band In this case, I was like, yeah, like I would like to have that element, you know, because it's just kind of like more interesting. And it's been done millions of times, you know. It, it, this t- type of a thing with like a melodic singing and, you know, electronic synthesizers, you know, with like heavy riffs, it's, it's just kind of like became a very trendy thing. We had this phase called the gent. It's, it's just like where everybody started to play those like eight-string guitars and they kind of sound like Meshuga. But they have like all kinds of singing. They could have a guy that is like a like R and B Craig David type of a voice on top of singing on top of like just absolutely excruciatingly heavy music. It's just like it's just fucking hopeless. It's just like, <laughs> but you know he sings with all those yeah with all those like riffs and stuff. It's just like it's you know he has you know like like conservatory like like academical background yeah, yeah background. It's just like you know and it's. It's all been done, you know, like I can't, you know, like I would never say that we are like, oh, we're like one of those like, like innovative bands. No, mm-hmm. we, the, yeah. The, yeah, the only thing that is original and innovative are the lyrics and the songs itself. It's the meaning that you're putting into that. It's, it's the emotions and your visions of life and style. It's just a 
package that you coming in with it, you know, because like those instruments, those moments are underlying the what's happening. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. a that battle between your heart and mind. The language is very important to sort of to have a better hook to convey uh, uh, to, to tell a story. Are there instrumental bands, uh, so no vocals, similar to what you're doing? Like, are there other successful instrumental, say new metal bands or something like that, or it's not a thing? No, they're just instrumental. Where? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, there is a bands that are um, a lot more like progressive, and they, you know, kind of like a guitar virtuoso type of guys like like animals as leaders we only have just a tiny bit element of that just kind of like a, you know because it comes from you know certain elements into pro- from the progressive metal they go back into like fusion and jazz you know and there's a certain groove that I'm also prone to have sometimes it's kind of like a some kind of a swing you know it's just like you kind of like you have to feel it you know I mean like it's it's not the um, you know, but obviously, as ev- as as everything in the world is becoming a trendy thing at certain point, just like dubstep, you know, mm-hmm. like this thing ha- like has been done uh, like a long time ago, where you know people were a producer or like a remixer just takes an original song and just plays everything twice slower, but. Mm-hmm. You know the tempo of the vocals and one single instrument stays the same. If the song was like in a 140 BPM, we're playing everything in 70, and it creates that type of a dubstepish, you know, thing. You know, with a, it, it's it's just a matter of your musical education. You know, the way you uh, swimming in the time signatures. You know, it, it it also matters. You know, because what's important is just to kind of like. Like like a song in three four immediately have that uh, ballady waltzy type of a feeling into it and and it puts you into a certain you know mood and, and uh, yeah so it, those are all yeah I think songs without lyrics uh, without vocals uh, can don't have um, a strong chance to a big chance to be memorable to to yeah. be to be uh, easily explained like oh have you have you heard this song it's 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 Either needs to have a, a very easily reproducible uh, melody that you can whistle or or sing, uh, like ATB or uh, what was it, uh, Robert Miles, yeah. uh, Children. You know, you, you you can always like sort of like yeah. simulate the piano with with your mouth and, exactly. and and explain the song. But if it doesn't have that, it must have lyrics. Otherwise, it will be very difficult to explain the song. Unless it has some kind of um, maybe a sample from a movie, uh, like a like a phrase, something that that, that of drops in the middle somewhere, and this is how you ah, that's that song, because like say in electronic dance music now, which I'm more intimately familiar with, if you didn't put a, a vocal uh, bit somewhere, if, for most people it wouldn't be possible to identify the song, even if they heard it three four times, you know, they'd be like, it's that song, but how do I explain it? It's like of course, like yeah. So I think, of course, it's, it's a winning uh, sort of feature. Uh, yeah. To Plus, have, to have a good hook, to have good verse. Yeah. You know, Plus, chorus, we are. Chorus, mm-hmm. Yeah, because to us, music is not a competition of who is a better player. You know, mm-hmm. I would say that alternative metal genre is still challenging. You know, because um, especially for somebody who's a drummer, you know, because he is a moving force you know behind it you know he's like an engine you know like in a way like 
besides the singer and the guitar player, you know, he has to be a machine because there is a still a rule that it has to be very mechanic, uh, m- mechanical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mechanical. Still, just like has to be very, you know, it's not like rock and roll, just like oh, just you know, kind of like drowning a little bit there, but just slowing down there. No, it's it's all about that kind of like this is this is probably one of the elements that came from hip hop is that stability, you know, it just has to be kind of like that constant. Groove. You must also mention Kraftwerk in the sense because they were famously uh, very strict with their drummers. You know, yeah, say, you just do like a robot. Uh, thing, yeah, you know. all those elements is is just basically like like a lot of. People are asking. It's just like, why? Like, what's that word alternative? Like, it's because it's alternative to some other style. You know, it's that's you kind of like you living it like out in the open to decide for yourself. You know, because certain moments in our songs are straight up a progressive trance type of a moment. So it's just like there's one place where it's just like just me singing and like some like synthesizer, and then it just like goes into boom, bam. You know, mm-hmm. drums, riffs. You know. But it's all about the you know mood of the song. It's 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 because of the lyrics. You know, it's not because we're trying to compete. You know, with somebody where, like, I don't see myself as like oh, uh, like going to like to the Nam show and just like oh we're gonna. It's just yeah. It's about the songs and the lyrics and uh, yeah. Alternative is. Uh, I also thought about it. Um, like, why is it called an alternative to what? And, and, and I'm thinking part of the. Uh, Definition of 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 this uh, of using this word of the, the sort of reason to use this word is that it's alternative to what's easily digestible. Right, pop music is pop music because you play it to anyone at any point in, in any country of the world, and they will kind of be like, "Oh, cool, you know, I can I can sort of I can wash dishes to this, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I can I can drink to this or whatever, you know, it, it, it's it's nice feel good uh, music." Where alternative uh, to me signifies. Sort of another route that you if must acquire through training, like you need to be exposed to a certain um, amount of that music that is not easily um, accepted unless unless you have friends who like it, unless you went to a concert a couple of times, maybe you took some psychedelic drugs that opened your mind on it. And uh, to me, that's that's what uh, makes it alternative. You think there's something to that? Mm. There's definitely something to it, but alternative is also a choice. You know, you decide, you know, for yourself, you know, because obviously uh, calling yourself just rock metal, it's like putting yourself under fire with people just being like, no, it's not metal because you're not heavy enough or you're too heavy or something else. They always going to, I mean, people, there's always going to be stylistical war, you know, of between what it's what, you know, because... It's it's just like first of all like impossible to please everybody and people have personal biases towards you know something, you know and, and I understand that like in this case obviously a word alternative is uh, kind of like steers it towards like a pop music direction you know because like elements that you know alternative and then metal it means that it has like a very very accessible at that point alternative element. also means sort of pop right it kind it kind of over time yeah. moved in that direction or at yeah. least perceptually maybe did not become lighter, lighter but it, yeah it, it, it's still you know yeah it, these it, days alternative is not underground yeah you can expect yeah and and this is the kind of like the the phenomena of what happened not only it's no longer an underground it's already been 
there and it's already been done and overdone and stigmatized and thrown away and forgotten so the world is ready for the new wave of that but like in a different way it's, it's just kind of like you take what you know you take your feelings and just like putting in them and it's uh, yeah it's just kind of like uh, at the end of the day it's all about the the song you know like anything that is just like overexposed is, is that that's why it's so difficult I mean uh, like sometimes something becomes really popular and their lyrics are kind of you know funny and obviously there is a risk that a band is going to be remembered by that particular song even if their whole album is very very serious mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you're always kind of like considering all of the odds you know and a lot of bands have that you know, in every style of music have that, you know, problem and, you know, they're angry with themselves that everybody, I mean, the example of like Radiohead Creep, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. some people know them from that song, you know, which is basically in a that song rock, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And they absolutely hate that and they like refuse to play it at the shows because they are floating, you know, completely different type of a thing. So this is just, Yeah. And, uh, you mentioned fans in passing, and I wanted to maybe um, get deeper into social media and a uh, very quick feedback loop with your fan base. Um, this didn't used to exist uh, back in the sort of you know, days of the of rising of, of rock, rock and roll, 70s, 80s, 90s. Fan clubs, what you write a letter to some fan club, mm-hmm. you know, the, the head of the fan club delivers a bag with the best mail to the to the band. Maybe they'll read it, maybe they will ask the, 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 the fan club president to read it to them. But it didn't influence them so much, right? So the biggest influences I guess they would get at live concerts, uh, where or record labels would say like, oh, this album sold better than that one, so let's more let's make more of that one, something, yeah. something like that. So today, tell me, how does Facebook, Instagram, uh, and other social networks influence how bands evolve and exist? It's a very interesting question and a subject because at one point, social media became a merit of a success of your band. So basically, music industry and music business had changed. So instead of labels investing into the bands and trying to develop them they are actually became only interested in the bands that that are already self-developed and self-made and have a solid following on social media and already playing shows and have their stuff together so then they are going to be interested with working with you so there was a big change and it changed the whole course of just everything it's a it's a mentality behind it you know bands, musicians start chasing the followers and they start making decisions with their heads in this way. They try to calculate, you know, what kind of stuff they should write because it, you know, will gain them, you know, followers. Mm. So, like, today, uh, you know, basically, you can directly see what people, what your audience wants from you, you know, and they kind of, like, backhandedly Dictate, but the problem with that, you know, classics are still classics. You know, something new is still something new. The longevity of that 
is not guaranteed. You know, it's like people might, you know, tell you that, yeah, yeah, we want that, you know, just keep doing this thing. And then they just like lose interest because uh, you were just maybe half-heartedly doing that, you know, because uh-huh, just, you were just influenced. following what the crowd wants, yeah. not realizing that they also get bored uh, of what they themselves want without exactly. knowing. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, like I often say, this thing that there is never really a right time for music and for love, you know, mm-hmm. if you may. <laughs> and there is not an exception. It's just kind of like there is always some kind of an artist that just comes out with his own stuff and it's just completely different and everybody's like, oh, wow. You know, meanwhile, everybody else is trying to, to figure out how to please the crowd. It's like, oh, my God, if you're just going to be a little bit this, a little bit of that, you know. You, you read what your fans uh, write. Uh, do you get into forums and discussions, uh, just at least as an observer, or do you engage? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I have conversations with them. I cherish them a lot. You know, some of the people became my close friends or one of the guys actually joined our band you know and mm. from he, from the ranks of fans to, uh, he became uh, yeah anything is possible yeah I, I mean like I can't call them fans as, like rather listeners and just like audience okay. you know like, okay, like, yeah. like followers yeah because it's just kind of like it would be you know because I'm not like a you know a, a pop star or anything with the with the tribute band yeah let's talk about that yeah so Depeche Mode yeah Tribute band, Strange Love. Um, this is how this is the first thing I learned about you that, that mm. you were a part of this, and I guess in quotes, this is your claim to fame as of today. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, yeah, before we before I ask some follow up questions, let's just describe this a little bit. Like, what is Strange Love? Yeah, it's it's um, we are tribute. Uh, to Depeche Mode, you know, because, and, uh, it's been kind of like a long time coming in terms of that, you know, like sometimes your listeners, your friends are kind of like hinting that you kind of, you know, reminding them of that and they kind of like pushing you towards that. Mm. And then you finding somebody who was also, uh, inclined to do that. And that happened to be a project that was existing for like 15 years with constantly changing, constantly evolving until... What project? What existed pieces, for 15 years? You know, Strange Love. Uh-huh. You know? So in your life, it was present for 15 years without being called that officially? Uh, I mean, it's it's been out, you know, in the world. Did you join it later? Or yeah. You, oh, I, okay, okay, so you didn't originate. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I joined it like two years ago, but it was actually exactly the right time f- for me to do that. You know, because I could, you know, set, like separate myself from what I want and from what needed to be done. You know, because who started the project in, in, in around what time? Brent Meyer. You know, mm-hmm. he started back into 2005. And, in in uh, New York City? No, mm-hmm. in California. Mm-hmm. You know, but we like all of us. We live in different states. You know, but and, and we basically, members. Mm-hmm. yeah, we basically fly in to play shows, and we. Mm-hmm. We are perpetually touring, but basically, you know, playing shows like every week, you know, and uh, we're constantly kind of like like on the go. We go back home for a couple of days, but sometimes we go on those longer tours, like it was like in Australia, you know, which we spent like three weeks in there. And uh, yes, so it, it's been around for like 15 years with, you know, changing band members and now 
pieces of puzzle came together where we yeah it's just it's basically dialed in now it's mature yeah mm-hmm. like the main idea is of course to emulate the band as close as possible and it's such a diverse band that has different eras you know they had an era where they kind of like a classic 80s guys you know wearing leather jackets and just kind of dancing around but they also had like a post grunge era sunset and devotion when they kind of like had longer hair and and beards you know and it was just kind of like influenced by what mm-hmm. was happening so it really is there's a lots of acting theatrical performance goes into it like i, I mentioned to, to you in our previous conversation um that to me that, that makes me think of like a broadway musical like um yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely you know when uh like obviously they started out from small bars and it it was just kind of but now it it grew into full blown big shows with the full production you know is, is there so. is there any financial uh, copyright responsibility uh, from your tribute band to the Pesh Mode sort of intellectual property owners not really they just have to be okay with that and they are you okay. know they were uh positive towards that you know because we kind of scratch the itch we go places we go countries that they don't go like like a shelly Have they seen you live? They've seen the the band. We had the videos on on YouTube. We oh. are in touch with Mark Gore and he's been very positive and he was supportive, yeah. nature of a tribute band uh, I would guess it, it gets born out of dedication uh, love for uh, the work of a certain band right so in, in case of strange love that Brent he said yeah from California uh, was so enamored with Depeche mode and everything they made all the songs the, the you know the band members he just wanted uh, to be sort of a part of it of this Mm, slice of history and sort of extend it right yeah and, and give it to more people like the, what do you think his drive was if you can speak for him because he could have chosen any band there's many great bands mm. yeah in fact he was a president of the whole tribute band agency mm. you know uh, of, of a variety of, of yeah you know tribute bands. he was a president and he was also like an agent himself uh, but the driven force behind it is uh just you know i think in this case it has a lot to do with the audience and their demand for that you know that was kind of like a no brainer you know that was in our lives we met each other 2 years ago but we were getting the same message and response from a lots of people that we meet it's like oh you guys should do it you know mm-hmm. and now we're finally doing it and it is really bringing like a great results. This is one of those situations where you know um like audience want that. They have that itch for like their, you know, 80s era and we are able to replicate that. The know, 80, the 80s uh flavor in the craving for it uh, is not going away. You know, I think yeah. decade after decade. You know, it's it, just like, you know, people just like, you know, it it's yeah, it's there is something truly um 
mysterious and mystical about it, you know, actually, that it just, like, never gets old, you know. It never gets old. No, no pun intended. It's just, like, yeah. like, no matter what we're going through, you know, like, especially, like, right now, this whole, like, pandemic, and they're still asking, like, when, when, when they, like, ready to go. And this is, yeah, this is basically kind of like a self-explanatory when a band like Depeche Mode took a huge risk to not to be like everybody else, you know, because you can't really classify them. There were, you know, a bunch of guys, uh, you know, boys next door that, like, instead of using guitars and drums, they were just only using synthesizers. You know, they, they were emulating every instrument on the synthesizer, just, like, going out there. And, and everybody back until early 80s were like, what are you guys doing? Where are the drums and guitars and stuff? They're like, no, this it, that's how we do it, you know, and it's just kind of like created that, you know, iconic sound, and and then just like in the early nineties, it's fucking exploded with Violator. The wave is so huge, you're still writing it. Uh, yeah. What's, and what's the trick? Yeah. Uh, uh, how do how does a tribute band get uh, gets promote uh, promoted? How does it get marketed uh, in Australia or you know in Europe and in the states? Like how? Do you get people to be excited about a tribute tribute band like yourselves? Mm -hmm. Whose job is it? We're working with the same people as any other band is. You know, we have uh, managers and agents, and we're working with promoters. You know that. You know, it's just like we just get offers. You know, because we have like a reputation mm -hmm. and. People get excited when they see um, a poster on the wall that says the Peshmo tribute band. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, when you touch something that is sacred, you know, like like a lot of times it creates kind of like maybe like a disdainful effect because they don't know what to expect. You know, yeah. but a lot of times we are able to turn you know, even the heaviest critics into our followers and friends, you know, and it's just kind of like, it's like, it's really beautiful because they see, you know, that it's all like, it first of all comes from heart again, you know, it's, it's just like in everything, you know, it's, it's all part of like one thing, you know, like acting music, you know, like replicating somebody, emulating somebody, you have to understand why they do it. And then it becomes part of you, it just becomes natural, you know, like no matter what. Yeah. And of course, it's just just like with everything that like everything new kind of like creates, you know, different like reactions and emotions, you know. But, you know, like I was like surprised how we were, you know, welcomed in Australia in in New Zealand. It was one of the best shows, you know, it was just like, wow, I really felt like it's our own accomplishment. Mm -hmm. in, in there because it's just like not something that happens often in, in there and they treat it like they treated us as rather like an original band you know mm -hmm. like we just kind of like an extension of that you know it's, it's really that's why we called the Depeche Mode experience you know because you know like a lot of people it's not their fault you know they don't know the difference between oh you know cover and this and that it's like why you do it's just like you know just bunch of guys at the bars just you know singing songs and yeah. just kind of like oh and and this is like a completely different it's it's an experience it's like you were saying a broadway performance you know it you kind of like erase that um a line you know between the reality and what you're trying to do and it's really uh 
the trick in it, you know, is, is because it's an experience for all of us, including, you know, the performers at the stage, you know, so we are all relieving that, you know. Would it be possible to add a, a, a new song that uh, sounds just like a song that Depeche Mode would write? Uh, to a set list? Mm-hmm. Um, is there a rule not against doing that? It's not like a rule against that, but uh, the thing is that just like any, uh, you know, like performance have certain expectations from that. And it's just like kind of like you don't want to set off certain vibe, you know, because if you look at it as a, like you're watching, let's say, a comedy movie and then in the last 10 seconds they have like a monster coming out and you just kind of like... Well, it's not like, like, like you know what I mean. It's, it's, yeah, but it's not yeah. exactly that. It's, it would be like like a sneak, <laughs> sneaky, uh, yeah. uh, sort of extension, like slide in um, a song that sounds just like Depeche Mode, but like makes you like wonder, like, have I heard this before? It sounds yeah. kind of familiar, but I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's from the sort of you know B side, uh, forgotten record or something. Yeah, I get this question, mm-hmm. you know, quite sometimes, and it's just kind of like. Uh, It's just not part of the experience that we're trying to, let's say, provide, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just like, w- what we do, because it's a full-on show with real emotions, you know, we do talk about other artists sometimes, and, and like, sometimes we're giving those, you know, because during those times, you know, Kate Flint passed away, Chester Bennington, Chris Cornell, Dolores Riordan, and sometimes we just kind of, like... Um, adding this up but it but but it's truly improvised it's just me being in the moment and deciding to do a little tribute to those people too and oh so you're saying you add a little bit of of like a tribute uh, in the moment to other um, yeah you know icons just like yeah just like as if you know any other band would do you know they just kind of like say a couple of words or just do something that's kind of like relevant to that you know Uh like you are You know, because it's still a concert, it's still a show, and it, it's still part of one machine, like if you may. And mm-hmm. you know, but if, if we're like we're not trying to kind of like overthink that, you know, like if it feels like you know, like for example, you know, like Chicago, you know, they're like you know they're like metalheads, like a oh, lots of Depeche Mode fans that also into heavy music that I do with my other band. You know what I mean? So it's all. What about Chicago? Huh? They are metalheads, you know, like like a lot of, you know, just uh, the state. The band, Chicago. Not the no. band. The audience, you know. In Chicago. I'm, yeah, I'm talking about, so, so yeah, like what I'm referring to is that like sometimes at certain shows you are being in the moment and you kind of like, oh, you know, maybe I should, you know. And so there was a one time when we did a chanting from one of the Linkin Park songs, you know, like we, we were just kind of like at the end of the Suffer Well There were like 2,000 people in there, and I was just kind of like, hey guys, you know, let's, you know, pay the tribute to Chester Bennington, you know, and we were just like, you, try to take the best of me, go away, you, and the, you see the whole audience, and then I start screaming that, and you see the the crowd, and it just came to me like in, in, in the moment, and it was like a... Ah, I, totally I improvised. In, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you can't even, you know, but... Like, what I'm saying is that it's just kind of, like, improvised, you know? It's not like we're trying to, like, promote something else or, oh, like, I'm going to talk about my music or something that I do. You need to 
let people make their own decisions about this. But, you know, because all those bands are kind of like interconnected in a way, you know, because like, you know, Chester Bennington is a huge Depeche Mode fan, you know, and you can also hear it in certain, on some of their songs, you know, and it, it's just, you know, it's just a one big family, you know, like if you may. And you kind of like erase that line between like a tribute or like original and what you're doing. You're out there, you know, you're doing it. And uh, plus, you also, you personally have to have fun uh, once in a while. You, you can't yeah. just stick to the program, it, yeah. it becomes repetitive. That's why it comes out of you, right? Maybe yeah. the night before you were listening to another band and you thought, hmm, what if... Yeah, it's, it's, it's like it, there's things, it's, it's an experience, you know, like we have conversations on the stage, you know, we have some, you know, it's not, it's not always perfect, you know, we have all kinds of, you know, like everything that could possibly go wrong did went wrong, like in a span of two years. We had flight delays, we have members not, not arriving at time, we had equipment... You know, we, we have, you know, getting post-flight sick, you know, there's just like, but, you know, all of this makes that fucking amazing, you know, it's just like, it's, it's not just, yeah, it's like, it, you actually, you never know, like, I never show how it's gonna uh, go, like, I'm never sure, you know, it's just like people, even when just, like I was saying before, a true artist never wakes up being like, yeah, I did it, you know, mm -hmm. you always kind of like, you know, even if you literally played in front of like 10,000 people and it went last night amazingly still, well yeah, yeah wake up it's like okay what's next you know how can we you know continue it, it's just you know it, it, maybe it's because we're a little bit older right now and have a little bit like more experience and the show business is different you know it's like there is no kind of like crazy rock and roller type of mentality where you're just kind of like whacked out of your mind and then like everything played out no it, it's so, yeah well yeah. It, yeah in a way makes me makes me envious of, of this opportunity to sort of uh, create this uh, experience um, and be sort of um, an artist uh, of choreographing you know each each um, each gig uh, with improvisation you know kind of coming up with new ideas out of you know, on, the, on the spot, uh, seemingly out of nowhere. That's, that's, it sounds very artistically liberating. Uh, but speaking of lifestyle and, and being whacked out of your mind, uh, drugs uh, and stimulation of all kinds in a healthy uh, tendency have always been sort of part of the stigma uh, mm -hmm. connected to um, live music performers. So I know you've chose, you, you chose fairly... Like a while ago at this point, right? Um, straight a health, edge. Healthy, a straight edge, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. For those who don't know, straight edge is a movement where uh, people don't take any stimulants uh, of any kind. So a strict kind would be not even coffee, right? You, you just get... Uh, everything as healthy as you can. I drink coffee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not perfect. Okay, but, but yeah. what's your... Uh, what did you have to get rid of uh, when you made that choice? It's basically alcohol and smoking cigarettes, mm -hmm. you know? Those were two poisons, you know, that I had to... And a lot of, a lot of, uh, huge amounts uh, during active touring and, and, and practicing, right? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a touring musician back then, which is a good thing. So I joined Strange Love, and I became more serious about all this stuff when I was already sober, you know, because, like, when you have, like, a healthy lifestyle with, like, a diet and exercise... You just see the world through a different lens. 
you know, and uh, you just, you know, constantly trying to improve yourself, you know, because it's, uh, you need, like, a lot of stamina, uh, you need, like, a lots of, like, strength just to, like, sustain, you know, shows and flying and driving and just, you know, carrying the stuff around even, you know, sometimes it's, it's just not how it used to be, you know, like, when you have, <clears throat> you know, you don't always have, like, a all-life luxuries, you know, like, sometimes you need to kind of, like... And the luxury of being 25 years old. <laughs> yeah. And, like, a luxury of having, like, a crew of 25 people that just kind of, like, carrying, you know, everything for you. Like, sometimes you need to, yeah, just, just, just kind of, like, you know, playing it by the ear. You kind of, like, you know, hopping, you know, like, into the car and just going doing it you know it's a uh, i mean we've been very very lucky you know i can is everybody on the on the, in, in both bands uh, more into a healthy lifestyle kind of yeah like, is this something that uni- unites you yeah you know it's it's like we kind of like have sharing a, a lots of same world views i mean some people can just you know balance stuff you know like everything is good in like moderation you know you know people are different you know, but yeah, it's, you know, you can tell that, you know, we're like, you know, good match. <laughs> so you, you don't open a, a bottle of champagne or cognac after a good uh, show? That's that's not a tradition? Not really. You know, I mean, guys can have, you know, just maybe like a little bit, like a couple of drinks, but it's not, yeah, it's not a, a tradition. It's like a very rare occasion. And fans bring you some good stuff uh, uh, behind the stage. Some you, you just like put it aside and give it to those who yeah, you know, yeah, some helpers can, or something. Yeah, we can still take it and having like having it for like a home collection. You know, mm-hmm. like if you have guests, you know, you get like oh, like I have this like uh, you know like a whiskey from one of our friends. You know, and uh... my request for you would be to make a Depeche Mode song in the new metal style <laughs> I hope to hear that something like a cover kind of like Limp Bizkit did uh, uh, George, George Michael's Faith, Faith um. <laughs> which, well, so, which song would you pick from the Depeche Mode to, to make into a high energy uh, screaming well version? I'm not going to reveal all the secrets <laughs> in, in Formoda we have a moment that is you know echoing one specific song so I will leave it as a, a secret and it has kind of like a you know we try to be like original it's in the context of what we were you know talking about you know earlier of how certain bands are interconnected so and that came together in that you know particular moment in so there for those interested in, in hearing your stuff uh, where can they go yeah, I have some solo songs released on every possible platform as Leo Lugansky. You know, we are still in process of, um, you know, releasing our Formota stuff. You know, we're just, like, finishing up, you know, some details. And we cannot wait to share it with the world. Uh, so, basically, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, on my official Facebook you know, it's where I keep people updated with all of my projects. Uh, SoundCloud? Yeah, like I have stuff on SoundCloud. I Yeah, like I have like some originals released, some like collaborations with other artists. artists. Uh, 
I'm, I'm also covering some other bands that I really like. You know, like I have the whole like plethora of of just me sitting at home with piano and you know singing songs from every possible style. It's like I was saying before, it's all about the songs, and so you know. What's your preferred instrument for solo project? Well, in my solo. Uh, stuff is mostly kind of like electronic, you know. It, it's uh, kind of like I use a lots of virtual synthesizers, but you know, like I also kind of like a do. Like all of us in the band are kind of like multi instrumentalists, you know. Like I play guitar, bass, you know, keyboards, drums. I program drums, you know. So we kind of like going from that slightly geeky nerdy background you know where we're also kind of like producers you know we just kind of like we we wear a lots of different hats you know that mm -hmm. that's that's what we like to say you know because like in in today's world you have to be capable of you know kind of like a do-it-yourself type of a you know thing and the collaborative effort you know makes it you know sound different you know first for like a lot of times like in my covers I go very very minimalistic as far as just like piano and my voice you know it just kind of like makes uh, yeah makes the ladies ladies go wild mocks <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know makes lyrics more you know transparent it's kind of like you pay attention more to the meaning of the song rather than everything else I guess in, in closing uh, maybe some uh, words of uh, wisdom of advice to those who are thinking about Uh, taking it seriously, um, developing their hobby into mm -hmm. sustaining careers. Like, w what should you keep in mind deciding that? I would say, just keep at it. It's definitely a marathon, and not a sprint. You know, you just just have to keep keep going, keep running. You just like have to keep 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 writing. You know, there is no magical formula that makes you write this one song. You know, like sometimes you just need to write a lots of bad and mediocre songs before you get to what you really want to do you know like a lot of times um, yeah you know your heart emotions you know skills can be a driven force behind something that you're trying to do so it's basically just keep at it you know and have fun with it it's a quantity until you get quality well sort of you know like sometimes you just get really lucky you're kind of like hitting that you know sweet spot you know right away but uh, as an artist you're kind of constantly evolving and you know changing it's not a uh, yeah it's just like some things are kind of like intangible so you just like keep running you know there, there is no finish line really you mm -hmm. know you just kind of what about the role of a community should one seek out a community of like-minded people or it's it's not As important as, as putting in the work. Well, you can, you know, having conversations, you know, like collaborating with other like-minded people is important. You know, like sometimes you, like, we definitely learn from each other, you know. It, it's just like, you know, like definitely keeping an open mind because you never know what can work out for you. You know, just like you keep, you know, surprising yourself. And uh, it's just like about feeling satisfied with what you're doing you know is really important okay uh, I guess we'll uh, it's a good place to end um, we'll, we'll leave it here 
thank you for sharing the history. Thanks the for insight. having me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, till till the next episode.